0: podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching episode 168 of the Lax Factor podcast. Today, we are going to talk about Premier Lacrosse League. We're going to talk about Connor Fields, and the situation that resulted in him finding himself on the bench last season and then you know, kind of working in and trying to find playing time this year. How did that come to pass? We're going to look at some statistics that may help us figure a little bit of it out, and then we're going to use that kind of same deep dive into the basic statistics to try to look at a couple of older guys in the league, a couple of the geezers in the league that we thought might be on their way out that are having resurgence in their careers right now, and and, uh, they're really glad to see that. Before I get into that, as always, be sure to Like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you're on YouTube, if you are listening to this podcast, share the crap out of it with your friends, or you can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself swag, t shirts, hats, all that crap. So let's get into this. In a stacked league, how do you decide who plays? And I've been a big Connor Fields fan. I'm an upstate New Yorker, so I'm a Syracuse fan, but I'm also. I follow all of the upstate programs to a degree and Albany and Cornell have always been kind of close to my heart here. So a couple of the guys I'm going to talk to are, you know are guys that played their their college across in upstate New York. So last season, When Connor Fields ended up on the bench during the Chaos' impressive playoff run, I wondered how in God's name does that ever come to pass? Yes, Connor Fields can be a black hole at times as it pertains to offense because he is a ball-carrying attackman. He is a dodger, a re-dodger, a three-dodger. The dude will go to the rack hard. Uh, But I always assume the production. The production seemed to outweigh the turnovers and the lack of ball movement, right? You know, I mean the dude puts up points and he puts up a lot of them. Now to qualify all of this, it's gonna sound like I'm shitting on Connor Fields, which I'm not in any manner shitting on Connor Fields. I am a Connor Fields fan. This is kind of like me saying with all due respect, it's not really that bad though. And uh, in no way am I a fan of his benching. I mean, I, I I wanna see Connor Fields play. I love Connor Fields' style of play. I love the dodge, the re dodge, the to the three dodge. I love all of that crap. But um, with the PLL season already kind of starting out here, you know, once again, we have a situation where a a guy who everyone expected to be one of the top five to 10 attackmen in the PLL is not getting uh, that burn at attack in the PLL here. Now we're going on the second season of him kind of seeing a lot more benching he's ever been used to in his uh, entire career. So, you know, and now he's got an attack group, though, a very prolific fellows here. We've got Grant Amet, Will Mani, uh, Manny, and uh, Marcus Holman, who he's competing against. So how do you decide when? who are your top three guys when those are your top four and all of them are so ridiculously talented? So let's kind of look at this here. Connor Fields by the numbers. So far, or we'll start with 2019. 2019, he had 33. This is the season that he ended up getting benched by the end of the season and didn't play or barely played through the playoffs. 2019, 33 points. I'm wrong, actually. I believe that was 2020 that that happened. He played the full season in 2019. 33 points, 36% shooting percentage, 80% of those on cage, 15 ground balls, 37 turnovers over 10 games. Now, what what hurts him here really badly overall is two two stats that I look at in this case here. Now, in the PLL, as I talk about this throughout the day, I'm going to put a little bit too much stock into that turnovers number. Because in the PLL, one of the problems, and I think one of the reasons they probably end up needing a separate statistic for turnovers that result from a, a shot clock violation or the shot clock running down, because it's really hard. If you're turning the ball over when the shot clock's running down, that's a hell of a lot different than you turning the ball over when it's not. Now, everybody's, dealing, everybody's not dealing with that in the same way. A guy like a Rob Pennell or a guy like a Connor Fields, they're going to have more turnovers naturally because they're going to be carrying the ball more often than a lot of other guys are in those scenarios as the shot clock's winding down. So they're going to force passes to the crease. They're going to roll the ball into the corner. I wonder if they give them a turnover for rolling the ball into the corner. They shouldn't, in my opinion, at least not to that player. There should maybe be a team turnover stats. Anyway, 33 points, 36% shooting, uh, but 80% on cage. Now, the 80% on cage with a 36% shooting percentage, that's not terrible. Usually what you end up seeing a lot of or where it's really bad is the lower the shooting percentage and the higher percentage that are on cage, that ends up being a situation where you're putting a lot of popcorn on cage. So 80% on cage, he's definitely having a lot more shots saved. Than the average guy, which you could almost count a lot of those as turnovers. I typically would. So 37 turnovers to boot with 80% of his shots on cage with 33 points. That means those turnover numbers are a lot higher than that. So he he didn't, that 2019 by the numbers, he didn't have a great season because the turnover numbers are a little higher than you'd like to see. I think ball carriers in the PLL are typically about a split. You put up 15 points, then Somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen turnovers isn't a death note for your playing time, but he's all, he's already above that. His thirty-seven turnovers to thirty-three points off already. The fact that he put 80% on cage was just a 30 a 36% shooting percentage is good, but 80% of those being on cage means there was a lot more saves involved, and then only 15 ground balls to boot. Now, 2020 was the season he got benched. It was the shortened season. He played the first handful of games, uh, six games, and then by the playoff run, nowhere to be found. Uh, seven points, 32% shooting percentage, 53% on cage. Now, that's a lot more in line. Five ground balls, 10 turnovers, though. So we're still dealing with more turnovers than points, and we're still dealing with 20% of those shots that he's putting on cage. Uh, No, not 20% of them, but a lot of the shots that he's putting on cage aren't going in. So we're dealing with elevated turnovers uh, uh, compared to points, And, and the fact that he's a High volume touch kind of guy in the sense that he has to have the ball in his stick primarily to create. When you have those that high of turnovers and you're not putting up more points than you are turnovers as a ball carrying attackman, that's going to end up becoming a problem overall. Uh, and then 2021 so far five points, 17% shooting, 92% on cage, five ground balls, six turnovers. So that 17% shooting percentage awful. That 92% on cage, that indicates a big problem. We've once again, six turnovers to five points, plus a lot of popcorn, uh, getting put on cage, a lot of saves being made. That's not a good thing. And that's over, over the course of three games for field. So how are his teammates doing so far in 2021 how did their stats line up and what you know what gives them the the starting roles versus his him being on the bench we compare it here let's go with holman first because holman's numbers are going to be closer to fields's holman 8 points 35% shooting 75% on cage 13 gb's with just four turnovers over three games that's not too bad 12 point for Will Manny, 12 points, 47% shooting, 74% on cage, five GBs, four turnovers over three games. And then Grant Amet, 15 points, 36% shooting, 79% on cage, six ground balls, eight turnovers over three games. And considering he's got eight Grant Amet has eight turnovers uh, over those three games, despite the fact he carries the ball a metric shit ton, is pretty impressive for Amet and what he's doing in terms of taking care of the ball. So while you can make the argument for the starting three of Ament, Manny, and Holman by itself, just because it sounds like a really good group of guys that complement each other. Uh, A very balanced attack overall, a good mixed bunch, but then you layer in the numbers over those first three games this year alone as as they've been playing together. It makes makes complete sense. Fields is the odd man out of that uh, attack group there. He ends up being the fourth attacker. Now again, let me just throw this all out there. Fields is one of the most skilled. Is one of the most skilled attackmen on planet Earth. This is not in any manner meant to attack him. This is simply me trying to come to terms with the fact that one of the most skilled lacrosse players on Earth, in my opinion, has had a hard time getting on the field and finding a flow and finding a rhythm with his teammates in the PLL. And that tells you a lot about the talent level that this league puts on the field, weekend and week in and week out. Now, let us transition into something else. Hey, if you're still listening or watching here and you're on YouTube and you haven't hit the like button or the subscribe button yet, do that. If you're still listening audio-wise, throw out a share here while while you're listening here. Just hit share button, boom, boom, boom. You can listen. It doesn't even pause your video as you're doing it, boom, and we're all good. Okay, back into this. Let's now take a look at some stats from guys that have gotten their time this year. They got their time last year as well, but that were starting to get chirped by the end of that shortened season last year, and uh, and a lot of people were thinking they might not deserve their time this year. So we're talking about the geezers of the bunch here now. So let's start with the grand poobah of the geezers in the PLL, Paul Rabel. And I'm not saying grand poobah because he's the you know the oldest. He's not the oldest guy in the PLL. I think Brody Merrill maybe, but uh, Rabel, you know, still is is right up there, and he's kind of the grand poobah of the league. So. All the Boo Bird stuff. It started happening around two thirds of the way through last se- uh the, the 2019 season, carried into last season, into the shortened season. And uh, people just, before this season started, people were wondering how could Rabel even be on a team? They were thinking that Rabel getting traded to the Cannons was a robbery. Um, So let's kind of go through the numbers here. 2019, 23 points off 10 goals, 11 helpers, 23% shooting, 47 shots, 57% of those on cage, eight ground balls, 17 turnovers. I just rattled off a bunch of numbers that in context aren't going to sound all that impressive. Probably that was his worst pro season up to this point. He's got 23 points with 17 turnovers, 47 shots that he put on cage and only 10 of them went in. So that means 37 of the shots that he put on goal were saved. So that's kind of like putting popcorn on cage. You know, that's a lot of goalies catching a ball and the ball going back up the other way. And in the PLL, that's a problem. Uh, those 17 turnovers mixed with the 23% shooting percentage, 47 shots. That's as good, uh, and I said that, that's as good as him putting up a turnover for every point he scores just about. Still overall a net positive. That's still not something in the PLL, I think, that puts you on the bench, but it's a, a far cry from what we were used to seeing out of Rabel in terms of his production. The 2019 playoffs for Rabel were worse than his regular season overall, so he he didn't have the best regular season of his career going into those playoffs, though. He played two games. He had four points off two goals, two helpers, 13 shots, a 15% shooting percentage, one ground ball, and three turnovers. Call those seven shots on Cage. It didn't go in two turnovers. And once again, he's got more turnovers overall than he does points over the course of two games in the playoffs. So the Boo Birds by the end of that season they were ready to to, to chirp Rabel for anything that he did wrong in 2020. And boy, did he have a rough 2020. Five points, one goal, four assists, 19 shots, 5% shooting, 42% on cage, three ground balls, four turnovers in five games played. So off 2020, you can make the argument his shooting percentage hurt them a little bit. Uh, that, that 5% shooting, that's that's rough, but he only took 19 shots. So it's not like he was taking a boatload of other shots. That's seven shots that had the potential of being saved and going the other way. The other 11 shots, those missed a cage, no harm, no foul in a lot of those cases. I presume a lot of them just went right out of bounds. He didn't turn the ball over a ton and he shared the ball as well. A stinker of a pro season for Rabel in 2020 in that COVID shortened season but uh and and pr- definitely the worst of his career i would say there's no arguing that but he didn't murder his team i i feel like that that season before you could almost make the argument as he's trying to be a centerpiece of that offense and struggling that may be worse than what he did last year in some of the limited touches that he got but but 2021 everyone's like oh man the, after the season he had in 2020 the getting traded to the cannons the cannons got robbed in that whole deal what is he going to, you know, 2021 could be the final season in his storied career. Not so, man. He kind of put the the birds to, to rest here. 13 points so far this season. He's got nine goals, two helpers off 21 shots. That's 48% shooting. That's incredible comp- uh, considering what he's done the last two years. 81% of those on cage, four GBs and only eight turnovers. So he is playing much better lacrosse here. Everyone's glad he's still playing lacrosse. We're glad that he didn't hang everything up based on that shortened season. And I, I kind of see a trend here that it seems like a lot of the older guys struggled a little, a little bit more than average in that COVID shortened season. And some of them seem to be playing a little bit better. I'm going to talk about another one here that's playing a little bit better. But in terms of Rabel's 2021 versus his 2019 and 2020, night and day difference. This dude just bought himself a little bit more time to play the sport of lacrosse, and he's, he's doing it at a high level it's not it's not just hey he's clinging to his career and he's 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 worthy of keeping on the field right now he's one of their better one of the better players in the in the league one of the better midfielders in the league the way that he's playing the next guy i want to talk about is rob Pinnell. Pinnell's 2020 had a lot of people chirping him but i'd posit he didn't have an overly solid 2019 uh, as well in the mll as far as his standards go and then 2020 kind of looked worse in, in, in terms of making people think up. Ah, ben Pennell too is now falling off of his original pace, his old pace. 2019, while he was still playing in the MLL, 63 points. And it's like, how the hell could you say that having 63 points is a, is a bad thing? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Just hear me out here. 63 points, 32 goals and 29 assists. Not too bad. The problem being 21% shooting percentage. He put 78 shots on cage and had 43 ground balls and uh, 44 turnovers. Now, those 43 ground balls versus the 44 turnovers, I'd take about a quarter of those turnovers away. So we'll drop them down to, let's say, like 32 turnovers or so uh, because those picking up ground balls, it definitely helps and whatnot. The problem being those 78 shots that he put on cage versus 32 goals. So there's 30 plus shots that he put on cage that kind of negate a lot of the ground balls, maybe all of the ground balls. And I'm really splitting hairs here because this is kind of going, trying to dig into the stats to see where the stats correlate to playing time, where the stats correlate to success of the team. And in this case here, we'll go kind of rip through these stats a little bit. Now, all in all, it's not terrible. 3.9 points per game versus 2.75 turnovers per game. So that's still net positive, but couple that with a 21% shooting percentage. That means 46 shots that he put on cage were saved. And that can easily count as 15 additional turnovers, which would bring his turnover number to the area of 60 or so. So this is where I start talking about when you have wasted shots, bad shots, Popcorn on cage. Count those as turnovers, and he's starting to get up into that area of one point for every turnover. After if you if you start factoring some of those bad shots as turnovers. In fairness, like I said, picked up 60, uh, 43 ground balls, so that probably negates a bunch of those forced turnovers or whatnot. But eh, I'm not sure. Liz and, and more importantly for the lizards, the lizards finished five and eleven in 2019. If that tells you anything, uh, but alas there was a lot more excitement when it was announced that he was heading to the PLL despite this. So he struggled in his last season of the MLL. Lizards stunk on top of it with him being their, you know, one of their showcase players. But what's going to happen when he hits the PLL? Everybody was curious. Well, his first season of the PLL, it was the lame duck COVID shortened season in the PLL. 15 points, 6 goals, 9 assists, 17 shots on cage, 14 ground balls and 14 turnovers. So once again, turnovers to points equal just about plus 17 shots that he put on cage. So there was 11 shots that end up being saved going the other way. So his legit point to turnover ratio was sitting just a hair over one-to-one. That alone is bad for a guy, especially that carries the ball as much as he does. Worse, throw in, six goals versus 17 shots on cage. And there are 11 shots that he put on goal that were saved and only 14 ground balls to combat that. He had a legit one-to-one point to turnover ratio as the uh, supposed QB of this team's offense in 2020. So that hurt him. People were very disappointed, but no one was more disappointed, I'm sure, than Pinnell in the way he played. And once again, we're coming into 2020. Does Rob Pinnell deserve his roster spot over some of these guys? Will Rob Pinnell stay on the field as often as he's used to? Will he get to play a full game here? We hit 2021. So far, Rob Pannell stats, 16 points, nine goals, seven helpers, 26% shooting, still not great, but 25 uh, shots have been on cage, and he's put nine of those away, eight ground balls, 11 turnovers. Now, these are superior numbers. Uh, to his numbers the previous two years. The 11 turnovers, they don't worry me. You're scoring more points than you are turning the ball over. And he's often, like I keep saying, he's often forcing things at the end of the shot clock. So even though I'm putting a big big premium on the one-to-one Uh, point to turnover ratio. In this case, he's the quarterback of an offense. And when you couple in the fact he's carrying the ball as the shot clock winds down and a couple of instances this past weekend that I noticed that that happened, I'm not too upset about that. His shooting percentage is still just a touch low, but again, forcing things at the end of the shot clock, you're going to take some bad shots on top of maybe turning the ball over, forcing something to the crease, Uh, do or die dodge. It results in you getting stripped because you get double teamed in that desperation dodge to the cage. That that stuff's going to happen at the end of a shot clock. In the PLL so far, to me at least, as I'm looking through these stats for these players, so long as the actual points versus turnover numbers stays on the good side of points versus turnovers, and then there's ground balls and a couple other positive plays thrown into the mix, I'm okay. An example of this is Lyle Thompson is leading the league in turnovers, uh, and if you looked at like his, point, uh, his points to his turnover ratio doesn't look great, but he's also got a handful of ground balls and I think three or four cause turnovers. So those, those types of things are the things that negate your chance taking, uh, because you're getting the ball back, uh, in the clearing game and because you're picking the balls up off the deck when, when you need to as well. Um, so at this stage though, legit, uh, Pennell's playing well enough to once, you know, there should be no Burt Boo birds for if if, assuming Rabel and Pennell, finish these seasons out strong like they've started. There's going to be no, re- no boo birds coming into the, the 2022 season talking about how much playing time they do or do not deserve. Uh, some other guys that I'm going to talk about here as they're kind of coming into the end of their careers, let's go to them now, is uh, Kyle Harrison. I want to talk about him. Why can I not open this? All right. So Kyle Harrison for the Redwoods. He's another one of the geezers. Now Harrison and the other guy I'm going to talk about here. Why did it bring up Latrell Harris? That's not Kyle Harrison. Well, you know what? We're going to skip them. I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about two other guys. I'm going to talk about Harrison and Ned Karate uh, in the next episode as we kind of continue to talk about old guys in the league and how they're playing, how they're faring. And I think for them, they haven't put up the numbers and the production that the other two I just talked about have. So maybe we'll give them one more weekend to do that. Uh, let's move on from here now, and let's talk about some rookies. And, and I'm going to do this over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to talk about more geezers and more rookies. And I that's one of the things I'm the most interested in in this league because it's, you can kind of see it with the fewer teams and the smaller rosters. You can kind of see it better than you usually can. But that dichotomy between aged guys on these rosters and how they play in lead teams compared to these rookies that just come onto the field and, and put up points right away. Let's talk about a couple of them. Same thing here. I'm not going to talk about all the rookies that have factored so far. Uh, Rafis is one I'm not going to talk about today. I'm going to do a, a separate video about Rafis or a separate show. I'll talk about him next week. But uh, the first one I wanted to talk about because he had a good weekend this weekend was Mac O'Keefe, rookie out of Penn State finished finished his college career with a 402 shooting percentage finished 2019 with 96 points off 78 goals and 18 assists and was having a nice 2020 season prior to the covid murking it But in 2021, he struggled badly at Penn State without a real alpha dodging threat to QB that Penn State offense. He only puts up 21 goals and three helpers in nine games for his lowest uh, points per game average of his career. He averaged 3.1 points per game as a freshman and only 2.6 points per game as a super senior, not just a senior, but a super senior. Nonetheless, one of the greatest off-ball players in the history of college Across, and his value at the pro level is without question. I've been saying forever he's not just one of he wasn't just one of the best off-ball college players to play the game. He was he's even in college he was still to me one of the best off-ball players in the sport. Period. So as a pro, two-point goal in his second game and a single and uh, uh, oh wait he's got a two-point goal he, in his second game. He had a two-pointer and a single. And the game winning two point goal in his fourth game against Redwoods not really a great fit with the chaos in my opinion i i I think that Mac O'Keefe proved at Penn State a senior year he needs a really good alpha Dodger, a really good q b to kind of play the Batman to his robin, I would say, and he does not have that in the chaos. The chaos is kind of a team I talked about it in the last episode a team built off of a built off of goal scores. Uh, playmakers, but not necessarily Dodgers and QBs. So I think that's going to kind of hurt him through his rookie season, but eventually he'll be fine. Uh, He's going to have a long career at both the box level and the PLL level. I think that in the NLL, he might even have a better career than he does in the PLL, but this kid's a true chameleon. You know, you put him on the field, whether it be in a box uh, box setting or in a field setting, and I think he's going to find holes and he's going to score goals. That rhymed. Uh, My nose is itching, man badly. I got a, I got, I got a shave and my mustache is tickling it. It's weird. I just weirded everybody out just now. Uh, next guy I want to talk about who had his debut last weekend, Jeff Teat, Cornell. Teat was robbed of his senior year at Cornell. Uh, over two seasons, he was robbed of it. But over his three seasons, he put up 72 points, nine, or, uh, 72 points 99 points. Oh, I was like, what the hell is that note saying? Over his career, he put up 72 points, 99 points, and 70 points, respectively, as a freshman, sophomore, and junior, and no doubt would have had a monster senior year had he had gotten a chance to take the field. Teet was highly coveted for uh, within both pro leagues, taken first in the 2020 NLL draft and first in 2021's PLL draft. Teet can do a bit of everything, hence, him being such a hot commodity. He can dodge and create offense. He can carry a lot, dodge and re dodge, and he can really just kind of work over a defender. So if you're struggling to get something happening, you can give the ball to T and just let him abuse, try to abuse his man. And he's going to turn the ball over here and there as part of that. But a lot of times he's going to make something happen. He's going to draw that first dodge, move the ball up the line, and then, you know, kind of find a mismatch somewhere on the backside of the field. I, uh, And one of the key things, he feeds as well as anyone on the run. A lot of guys you'll see, they're kind of spot feeders. They kind of stand and kind of just walk with the ball as they're trying to see who's open, stand at X, stand on wings. Teat can dodge and feed a la Tom Schreiber. Maybe not quite as crazy as Tom Schreiber in some of those crossfield passes, but a very formidable passer while he's moving. Uh, And he'll play off ball. He can score in close. He rides. He picks up ground balls. He's kind of like a Ryder Garnsey. I think, but he he feeds much more effectively. But you'll you'll you see Garnsey pick up a lot of just head scratching ground balls where you're just like whoa, I can't believe he can't. And I think Garnsey's better than than anyone at that kind of thing, picking up those weird ground balls in situations and then turning them into offense after. But T isn't too far behind him in that way. Very aggressive kid overall. He scraps the best thing you could say. He scraps. As a pro so far, his first game, tough outing, zero goals, two helpers off five shots with five turnovers. That's a stinker of a game for T. His second game, though, he goes off and he has a beautiful second game. Seven goals, two assists off just 11 shots with just a single turnover in the Atlas's win over the Cannons. So the future is bright for T. His earning potential as a pro top, as a top prospect in pro lacrosse in both leagues is incredible. Between what he'll make in salary from the NLL, the PLL, mixed with camp and appearance and loot and all this crap, the kid's going to be one of the top earners in the sport of lacrosse after just a couple of seasons here, I predict. And then one more guy I want to talk about before we call this quits today, Jake Carraway. 51 goals and 17 helpers in 2021 for Georgetown, 195 goals and 87 assists over his career at Georgetown, a serious offensive threat, can finish from distance and in close, can dodge and will feed when forced to, takes care of the ball overall. He had a 3-1-3 shooting percentage over his career for the Hoyas, was one of their main threats on offense as a freshman right through to the end of his career. He started playing right away as a rookie and and was one of their best guys, one of their top threats all the way through the end of his career. At the pro level, found a little niche already as kind of a matchup scorer here this year. Dodging on short sticks, finishing off ball, both mid-range and from deep so far he has 7 1-point goals and 2 2-point goals and an assist over his first four games of action those two, two, two uh, the two doubles that he scored or the two deuces that he scored puts him tied for the top in in, in the league in terms of number of deuces cuz i think 2 is 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 the tops right now i think there's like three guys tied with him here uh so yeah and i mean he's done this all just off four games of action his first game not Not great. You know, he didn't play awesome in his first game. He turned the ball over three times in his first outing and only uh, one per game over the last three contests. So that first outing wasn't great. The last three games, though, he's taken care of the ball. He's put up points. I think he's in the area now averaging like somewhere around four, five points a game. So he's having a hell of a season here so far as well. So that's it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about, like I said, next episode, we're going to talk about what happened in the games. We'll be back Sunday morning. We'll recap Friday and Saturday's games. Uh, we'll do that. We're going to also talk about Kyle Harrison and Ned Crotty and more specifically, how did they do in last weekend's games? We'll try to see what the geezers are doing. Keep checking in on the geezers to see how they're playing to end their careers. Cause a guy like Harrison, this is it. This is his swan song. And then I want to talk about more rookies. The other rookies I want to talk about here. Sowers, TD Erlin, uh, Danny Logan, Keelty, Rafis, Tarafanko kurst, Bertrand, Ryan Smith, out of Robert Morris was an interesting one, Justin Anderson, Jackson Morrill is finishing the ball in the PLL better than he did playing college across this last year. So there's a bunch of guys I want to talk about, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share the crap out of the video, go to laxfactor.com, you can get yourself some swag, support us that way. I will be back on Sunday, and as the next couple of weeks roll out here, we will start to kind of hit, hit our stride figuring out what we want to cover in the PLL, what we want to talk about outside of just the games. I'm trying to branch it out. Out and and do a little bit more features. Talk a lot more about players specifically. Do player profiles. Uh, you know, talk about players how they play in specific games. Crap like that. So we'll figure it out. We'll get our legs underneath us. But back to a Thursday Sunday schedule for everybody. So that is it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And Hoost is out.